Thanks for tuning in. This is the Ukulele Review Podcast, and we're back after a few weeks. I was uh, way on vacation for a little bit. Went to New York City, saw too many people in one small place. That was your first time, right? You said? Um, first time in, in many years. But man, Times Square is like Waikiki times 100. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hard to walk. <laughs> Lots of smells. They claim they, they claim they ticket you for jaywalking like no <laughs> <laughs> everybody jaywalks. Yeah, Zach got a ticket for jaywalking a it's while back. And that's coming back to haunt me cuz I can't get Why my I can't I can't get my license cuz I lost my license, but in order to get your license and I I, I I fought off that ticket in in my sense fighting off is not paying it for a while. <laughs> what what is that, that fighting it off? Not not paying it. I was just so stubborn. Like it was a Sunday morning. They gave me a jaywalk. <laughs> I know that's why it wasn't the, the definition of fighting doesn't really make sense. But I was just I was rebelling. So and you didn't pay your ticket. I did, but I paid it late. Oh. Okay. But now that it's late, in order to get your license, they say, "Oh, you have an outstanding uh, payment." And like, no, I paid it. Oh, you got to get a clearance. You got to go to the the district court office, and they got to give you a release saying. Oh yeah, you paid that ticket, but then takes another seven days, and then finally I can get my. Anyways, driving without a license. Don't jaywalk in Hawaii ever. Yeah, but in in New York, um, do it <laughs> if you're not if you're standing there while everybody's walking across because the you know walking man isn't lit up. I don't know. You might get pickpocketed or something like crazy tourist that's not jaywalking. <laughs> it is pretty rampant there. Have you been there, Mike? I have. It's been a while. Yeah. That's oh, a cool place. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of great food. And, you know, the people, I mean, I, I think New York City kind of has a little bit of a stigma for, like, people that are rude and in a rush or something. I don't know. I think they're friendly. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they, it's they're a new friendly kind straight of gentler up. New York. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my <laughs> friends there was telling me um, he noticed kind of a, a big difference after 9-11, too, like, uh, in general people kind of uh lightened up towards each other and yeah and it's the only place you can go and buy a pastrami sandwich and feed your whole family you know oh yeah <laughs> cat's or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like that a, much or you know like a fistful of pastrami and two of bread it's like a ball it turns it's not even a sandwich at that point is there's a trend towards the really healthy eating too there was a lot of different uh really really uh healthful options there that i thought was pretty cool expensive but <laughs> yeah it was cool but we're back and um today we get to talk to mike upton founder and owner of call brand music company thanks for coming mike you bet great to be here how often do you come to hawaii now not often enough <laughs> i'm telling myself no it's been it's, it was about eight months okay since I, I used to come all the time and well, you have your reps come over now. And yeah, I mean, we're Pat. well represented here, but... Right. Well, but, yeah. I got to come more often. That's what I'm telling myself. Because you used to live here. Yeah, I lived in Kailua and Lanikai for five years. Cool. And uh, beautiful place. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, Mike started Collar Brand Music Company in 2005, and they've continued to grow ever since. Uh, how many dealers worldwide now do you guys have? Boy, I don't know. I know in the U.S. we're right around 2,000. Wow. So 
and then, you know, maybe 50 distributors, international distributors. So 50 international distributors. Yeah. Some, you know, some smaller countries, but right, some right, large right. ones That's in the incredible. UK and Europe and uh, in Asia. And I mean, this has all happened, you know, in the last you know, 11 years. years. Yeah. I mean, ukulele has really exploded. I mean, it, you know, starting in 2005, it was going, but it really in the last five years, it's since 2010, it's really taken off and really is a worldwide phenomenon, you know. I mean, so, so you notice the, the bulk of the growth happening in the last five years? I think, I mean, yeah, we, it's been double digit growth. And, um, but I mean, really getting uh, just, you know, say into South America and into even the Middle East and yeah. places where you would, wouldn't expect it, but people connect with the instrument. I think it's, you know, what we know here in Hawaii about the, what ukulele, how it brings people together and it's a real community type instrument. I think that's taken off everywhere. It has that that's, vibe. That's what I've noticed too is, um, well, Hawaii, Hawaii's always had a, a community of ukulele players and it was growing on the mainland from uh, maybe 10, 15 years, you know, but just in the last handful of years, has it been all these other countries? Yeah, and I, it, you know, a lot of people are playing their, you know, native music. I mean, they're playing. Yeah, it's just an instrument. Exactly. So they're taking it and just playing their, you know, cultural songs or, I mean, pop songs too, but I've heard, you know, this group from uh, one of the guys was from the Middle East, and he was playing one of our eight strings at Nam like he would play their, you know, natural music. Like I think he was an oud player, right? And so he was playing it like it was a crazy sound. With all these and I'm going harmonic oh, is, minor scale. This type is of, great. Yeah. I mean, this is somebody using an instrument that was, you know, yeah. kind of developed in another style of music but he's playing his own music with it which shows the versatility of yeah. the instrument you know i love what willie k does with that when he takes it into um you know like he does like stuff that's uh he says is like more israeli influenced and then you know he he does a lot of different um ethnic type of of musics italian opera type of yeah. stuff you know and he plays Easy Top. Yeah, exactly. He rocks <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> he did Lagrange at the festival, and that was great. On yeah. I think everybody was looking sideways, going, "Nah, what's yeah, this?" Yeah. I loved it. It's Easy Top. Who's that? Yeah, after a day of like what mostly did chill he play? music, <laughs> it was all kind of going over my head. All the commotion at the booth and everything, and then he started playing, and yeah. we were just getting all nuts with Both him. Both of I just us were just stop rocking out, just staring at the direction of the stage, listening to him. Yeah. That was awesome. And his jokes are just, <laughs> <laughs> he just like talks with everyone on the mic. Oh my god, he's hilarious. At the yeah. He'll he'll make fun of stuff like almost like only comics get away with that kind of stuff. <laughs> like at the gala. Yeah. I don't even want to go into it. And well, it's weird that comedy gets the pass to be like you can diss him, it's okay, it's comedy, right? And every everyone's hearing it. It's like if you talk crap in public it's like not really talking crap because it's a joke or something i don't know <laughs> you know you can pull it off if if you're funny and if you're that level of a mu of a musician then you get a lot of leeway too but he had me like cracking up at the gala and a lot of other people too but yeah um getting back to kala and their growth what can you attribute 
the success of your company too? I mean, maybe there's a number of different aspects. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, there's yeah, there's a bunch of different things. I think um, you know, I just give the glory to God, and I mean, I'm very blessed. I, this wasn't in my plans when I started 11 years ago to be. I mean, I didn't even know. I just was looking to kind of support my family. And just, what do you uh, mean God doesn't like these other public <laughs> companies? <laughs> no, no. I, oh, of course. Yeah, I'm just playing. But, you know, it, it really is, um, you know, my first thing was just to take care of the customer and um, really provide a real good instrument. And so that was the number one thing. And then it was just just the customer service, like trying to take care of any issues um, as quick as possible. And then, you know, the rest was um, kind of, it just happened. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and well, no, that's a big part of it. I mean, like for a store like us, I mean, there's been a lot of, a lot of different brands that we dropped and a lot of different brands that we have decided to limit our um, stock of significantly. And one reason why you guys we've just continued to grow our, our offering of callas is because of the service and uh, attention um, that you give to us as a dealer and and um, the feedback that you take in and, and actually implement and um, and you know I mean it's it's been a, a relationship that we've felt strong about all along yeah I mean I really since the beginning I I really encourage dealers to, um, you know, I really asked for their feedback and took it seriously because, I mean, I, I'm coming at it from one point of view and one angle. And uh, especially here when I started, you know, you guys knew ukulele here in Hawaii. And so really relying on a lot of the feedback and the criticisms of our first instruments and then worked really hard with um, our overseas manufacturer to implement changes you know a lot of top thicknesses um even yeah. bra bracing mm -hmm. everything was built you know they were building their guitar factories building little guitars that's the way they thought of it at the beginning and then it, it's like they under started to understand that it was a separate instrument that had yeah. to be built braced and thought about separately from guitar um and so that you know over several years it just continued improvements and um I yeah. remember spending spending almost a whole year just measuring over here, measuring different scale lengths and bridge placements to get because I always thought our intonation was just a little off, like and just, just dialing it in. Yeah, and experimenting with di especially like tenors, where, where exactly to, to place the bridge to compensate it instead of just you know oh, I'm going to compensate my saddle or something i'd rather just get the right placement right. Mm -hmm. and it should be pretty close this so. is before you uh had a, had a line out yet no this was like from 2005 to 2008 so the the first part was just the kat kc yeah but we had a lot of the other basic models but um and they were pretty good builds but i thought that they you know the de some of the details were still needed to be improved and, and, and some of it was the manufacturing, the tooling they had, and how much they were willing to invest. And as we started selling more and buying more, they're like, okay. Mm -hmm. And they invested into, you know, next set machines and where it was computer controlled. So that when they would pair the body with the neck, it would be measured and sanded at, 
you know, paired up and sanded perfectly. So when they matched it together, it was a, a dead even Perfect fit. Joint. Instead of doing it kind of by hand, which a lot of yeah. places still do. But you have to rely on, you know, that worker to do a good job every time. And then sometimes they'll lose that worker for periods of time. And, you know, but yeah, having that level of production you guys are doing. No, it takes a commitment on on their side to commit to doing it right and, yeah. li- and listening to you, which, you know, as they start to see that you're buying more. Uh, <laughs> They're <laughs> willing to say, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a, you know, <laughs> b- but I think there's always... Um, I think we improve. I think we've seen the evolution of what you're talking about and I think there's a trickle down also to a lot of other um you know the whole ukulele community and ukulele manufacturing you know businesses even beyond yours the efforts that you're talking about um kind of made everybody try to s- step up their game I mean I I remember when Honer was um, making the uh, ukes for Music Mac that were like they were kind of I think they were called like a koa laminate it looked a little bit funky but like and they weren't cheap I mean these were like I don't know what Music Mac marked them up at but they were selling in the store for like $300 or something yeah, I remember those and and this like you know a lot of them that I would see would come in for repairs so you know I mean I don't want to judge them too hard but I mean <laughs> They were nowhere near what you can get nowadays for $300 as far as quality, tone, the whole shebang. I mean, they were not even as good as your $100 ukuleles. Yeah, I think things have improved massively. Drastically. You know, and it's kind of still going on, I mean, you know, to maintain the quality. And uh, there's a real high, high expectation for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know how much better quality can really, uh, you know, can be reached at the prices. That well, I think the now. good thing is that the, the entry level and the lower price stuff is benefited from the, you know, the quality of the more expensive stuff. It's the same. The builds are pretty much the same. and Exactly. And yeah. so the, the lower price stuff is really good. And um, that's great because then people have a good experience when they first play and they're learning. And they're, oh, yeah. It's playing in tune and it's sounding decent. They're like, they're encouraged, you know. They're not like, oh, yeah. it sounds horrible. It's, it's my number one my recommended brand off right off the bat. I mean, I deal with questions every single day about what to recommend someone. But because of the history that I have working here, as far as Kala, the first day I sold a ukulele was KAC. And then I'm, I'm still selling that same <laughs> model today. And, like, you know, it, it, it's it been the same way, and it's been consistent, sounding good. I think maybe there was just that one batch where at one point we, we had heavy tuners or something at one point. But, like, it was, that was, yeah, that was when we still had the old shop. This was and, a couple and then, of, Yeah, this was a, quite a few years And then years since back, then, again, yeah. it was, like, nothing but the best for that, you know, for that range. And, and, and it's like, we hardly ever get them returned, which is a, which is another big thing. I mean, we do, we do have to, you know, I mean, doing something at the price range and at the level that you're doing, it's, there's going to be times when, um, we have to return something, but in relation to other companies with the same price point, it's much less. The return to ratio is way lower. Yeah, Joel hits the setup department, and, and, uh, you know, Eli and Chris all agree that Kala is, they would rather pull a sheet that 
says Kala <laughs> on it to go grab one than you know any of the other ones in that you know price range of 400 and below they're consistently very close to the specs that we're going for which is you know refreshing for us it's it's been um a big part of our business and you know we thank you for your efforts to get it to that point well you're welcome thanks for all those I mean, good the, words. The, um, you're selling. You're selling Kala for me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not going to say it if it's not true. But the f- uh, number one uke I'm going to recommend under two hundred dollars is a STG. ATP. N- at the number one uke I'm going to recommend under three hundred is ATP. You know, I mean, I'm talking about tenors here, but um, I guess that's been our most popular size. But you know, the, likewise the other sizes, if they're looking for the different sizes, the SCG or you know the AC. There's so many avenues. <laughs> All these letters. <laughs> ACPTCG. <laughs> um, the ling- Kala lingo. But let's, let's go um, a, a little bit of a different route. So something that I don't already know, which is Kala's are a good value. Durr. Um, I, I don't know much about like you as far as like, let's get a little background on you. Get a little bit, uh, learn a little more about you. Um, starting with your, your younger days or even your childhood. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a musical house. My dad played guitar and harmonica and piano. So, you know, there was always music happening and either on the stereo or he was playing guitar and and singing. And um, Where was this? In Sunnyvale, California. That's where I grew up. Kind of basically, Silicon Valley. Um, I bet it was cheaper back then. It was pretty cheap. And literally, the orchard where Apple Computer is is right, right where I grew up. It was all apricot and cherry orchards. You should have bought all that land. <laughs> no, I didn't know at the time. Yeah. But, it, you know, so there was music, and I, I played um, clarinet and sax in grade school. and um, But there's always guitars around, so you pick it up and hammer around. But I was never that interested because it was uncomfortable to play, you know, steel strings. and mm. But picked around on the piano, took lessons. Um, and then at 13, picked up the bass. And that's really what I'm into is playing bass but um you know my dad played ukulele i've got old pictures of him and his friends playing ukulele it was always just something that was around just another instrument yeah i mean played. now that's all he plays he's 80 awesome. 86 87 so because uke is way easier to handle mm-hmm. so he'll he just loves playing ukulele so but i mean you know played um you know just rock and roll zeppelin hendrix cream all that stuff in high school and in bands and yeah, and then played through my twenties and stuff. But um, you know, start when I then moved to Hawaii in '89, uh, and um, you were playing bass in bands over here during that. Yeah, time. played a lot. You know, was connected with um, Hope Chapel and played a lot. You know, to the worship the team, worship, and but also you know ministry gigs all over. But then had a you know a band that was playing in the clubs and stuff, a Motown band. And, Motown, uh, but, James you know, Jamerson. Exactly. That's the just, best, man. You know, just playing music. But, um, yeah, I lived in Lanika. I got married in Kaneohe and uh, met my wife. And, what were you uh, doing for work at that point? Um, the last couple of years, I worked at Rendezvous Recording with Pierre Grill. Oh, just nice. His, his gopher, you know. Engineering? Uh, or oh. Some engineering, yeah. But just, I heard some stories about that guy. Yeah, I mean, Willie, I think he recorded his first two albums there. It was over off Kona Street, but... You know, and that was that was a blast. Um, but you know, I mean, so had some familiarity with Hawaii. Was living in Lanikai, 
at the time um, and um, moved back to the mainland and started working for Honer HSS and uh, working in their warehouse, you know, d doing guitars, uh, you know, setting up guitars. We had Sonar drums, Sabian cymbals, Vic Firth, so the whole distribution deal. But then I started uh, selling, and I, I, I got Hawaii as a territory, Canada, the Caribbean, all these kind of, they called, they, they were like cast-off territories <laughs> and nobody wanted And I'm like, send you all over. oh, guy, Hawaii, okay. <laughs> I know the deal there. It's like you got to do ukulele, you know. But so did you bring that, uh, you know? Yeah, I told him, look, this is you got to do ukulele if you want business. I mean, we were, I was selling other stuff, but that's clearly something that we could develop that would sell really well. So it was, you know, kind of pulling teeth a little bit to get it done, but got it, got some, some of the first models, soprano concert tenor built, but they were pretty rough, you know, and then just started. Uh, and you pitched the, or I mean, like, how did Lani Kai? Is that's how it started. Okay. I mean, I chose the name. I, everything, did all the marketing and, and, um, and then yeah. I mean, shortly after that, I met, I met you. you. I met you yeah. guys and your dad and. Uh, right. And they just started getting better, you know. Yeah, but it. You know, if I, I don't have any of those earlier instruments, but I, I mean, well, right to compare. They were definitely good enough that people were buying them well, left it, and I right. Guess it, I was. It was better than you know some of the stuff out there at the time, you know, for but, that price. You know, but then, uh, you know, when I left them and started calling in 2005, it, um, yeah, it, it already had a great start, you know, and then it really kind of took off at that point. But, uh, how, how did, how, tell us about that transition. Um, yeah, it was pretty bumpy. I mean, I was leaving one company cause they moved and I packed up the warehouse in Santa Rosa. Basically they were moving to LA and finished out my stint there and they gave my notice and just um you basically at the move. same time start I no I didn't want to move to LA I'd already lived oh, yeah, there yeah. and it was not an option so um, I knew I had to do you my had own your thing. family already at the time yeah so I I started my own thing and um but started it here you know opened the warehouse here and because I felt I had more a lot of connection with all the dealers here and could start could get something going was there like a point though where you were like oh man I don't want to go to LA what am I going to do yeah it was a big it's like jumping in with both feet you know I had to you know I, I borrowed $72,000 from my dad and uh, just got my first container and you know it was like everything I owned and had was on the line and, and was that, I mean were you um, was it a hit right off the bat or was there yeah no it, it, I pretty much sold that out right away mm. and then you know already had my second shipment coming you kind of just reinvest and reinvest and pay yourself just a little bit right i'm still and, doing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it's but i mean you know then it you slowly can kind of build it um, right. but it grew it grew pretty quick and then um the next year almost immediately i opened a little place on the mainland little warehouse garage type thing and uh hired a eddie kramer yeah. was my first rep oh cool and um and then uh is he still with you yeah yeah he's still lives in northern california and uh and then just hired you know, just hired reps out and um it just took you off you were quick. hawaii's rep for quite a while there before yeah i mean for the first five six years that's why i was over here so often because um, um, you were a rep sell. already you know I mean, yeah that that was my experience and still is you know I, I still like to go out and visit customers and just talk about the product and sell but i mean it's it's good that we have other people doing that as well well you guys are way too big to handle like everything you know. but yeah it's um 
so for me, I don't know. I, I I started as a musician, just you know, and I'm still still am. It's still a passion just to keep playing. And um, but uh, you know, the ukulele wasn't ex- something I expected to kind of fall. I felt like I just fall fell into it, you know, at the right time. And wasn't wasn't a big master plan of mine to to do this. It was more of just the opportunity was there. What what was the master plan? Uh, I guess in in uh, elementary or high school. Oh, I, I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I was just playing music, and that, you know, at some point, that kind of... Uh, I had that notion for a minute there. You too. know, you, 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 not that uh, I don't like playing, but, I mean, if you're, you've got to support your family. So I was doing that. I was painting houses on the weekend. was working at home. I was working three jobs. Dang. Wow. And then it was like, okay, I, I, I'd like to focus on selling first. And then once I left, I learned how to sell and kind of do... Right. do the job and then when I started calling it was more well you know I can I can do this so no one taught you how to sell or in the marketing school or anything that type of stuff no I I, I didn't go to college I, I'm just graduated high school and started <laughs> traveling with the band and playing music right but I mean I, I had other you know I had a landscape business yeah. and I always was into doing my own thing I always preferred that um, <laughs> the control of that the, you know that you you could work as hard or not as hard as you wanted, but I mean, right. often, more often than not, I would feel that I worked pretty hard. But you know, it's it's nice to have your own thing. But then, as you know, that it, it it all stops with you. So it um, there, that responsibility is always there. That sometimes is <laughs> it's hard, but uh, it's fun. It sounds like the best thing that happened to you was Honor moving to LA. <laughs> yeah, well, it forced me to to make a decision. Yeah, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes we don't make decisions on our own. We're just like, you, you're at a crossroads, and you have to. You have to do. One what am I going to do? Yeah. And sometimes that motivates you to do your own thing. Okay, well. But like you said, that the idea of just putting your head down and doing hard work—it's like it's going to be all right if you keep doing that, no matter what, right? So. Yeah, but then you know, quickly it was like—I mean, really quickly—it came to where I realized I could only do so much. Like I'm not. I'm only good at a few things, like, but I had to get other people to really help, and that's where I think Kala really is grown. Is that in, uh, you know, that I have really good people. We have really good people working for us, um, and and then the other thing is all the dealers, you guys, because it, it takes. I mean, somebody has to sell the product, and we're not. I mean, it takes the the dealers to sell it, and you're our customers. You're you know, and then you represent it to the the end user, the the final customer, which is huge. And so that, yeah. you know. I mean, part of it is relationships and stuff like that. But I mean, we try to be a little more objective in the sense that like, we really just are focusing on carrying the best products in each price range for the ukulele community that we can find, you know? So it's, um, yeah, we, we definitely um, do our best on our end of it. But it's um, the reason that we choose to carry the models that we carry from you guys is, is that we, we love them. So, I mean, it's been pushing. Because when, when you started it, it was pretty, you know, it was the basic models. And then I remember, like, maybe a couple years in, you introduced, like, the ASAC-T or, you know, the whole, like, you know, Acacia series. And and then you, you know, developed the U-Base line. You just kept going with new and different stuff and, you know, some models would drop off and other ones would would come up but it's been this continually growing thing to where um i don't think you ever really stopped 
pushing to have better products and better pricing and that whole thing. No, I always like to have something new going. It just, it's a natural thing. I think it's a creative thing. It's kind yeah. of what, I mean, yeah. if you're creative, you always want to be. Um, and I love it too, because I love yeah. to show new things. And um, so no, it keeps people coming back and it's like, it's like a restaurant that's, you know, coming up with. It's got, you got your favorites there, your right. staples, but there's always new dishes that people want to yeah. try out. Some of them stay. Chef special. Yeah, kind of like that. So, so, what's the process for uh, figuring out what, what the next new thing is? Because recently, I think the, EB, the EBYT came, or the Ebony, and then the Zero Coat. Zero Coat Zero Coat That those, I mean, <laughs> stunning, stunning ukes for, for, I mean, you know, people always want something pretty. You know, that's kind of like they want pretty at a, at a good price. And that thing is like. Gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. sometimes some of it's, well, you know, what wood is available that looks nice that's not already out there. Um, and so I'll find or, you know, visiting factories or wood suppliers over uh, in Asia, you know, you see things and, okay, it's like, I like that. Let's let's try some prototypes of that material. I haven't seen that before. Or the one guy's got, a, a you know, 500 sets of really nice striped ebony or something. You go, okay, I'll commit to... 500 pieces of that or sometimes it's it's just that it's like well, what wood's available that's not already just huh. all over the place mm -hmm. and then sometimes it's just an idea or like the scallop series that just came out that's something more born out of uh, design ideas yeah i mean that that's just something i mean i you know that's not an original thing oh, right, right, i right. saw other people doing that and i thought i liked it though because right. it was a so let's try a model there and um but yeah, some of it's just the the wood. I, I like, mm. you know, you find a really beautiful wood that's just a nice grain pattern that um, I think the customers will find, you know, because I think they initially are buying with their eyes or exactly. seeing. Exactly, that's, that's what they're scrolling first. through, yeah. I mean, they what see thought? it first before they ever hear it. So, I mean, you have to, it's got to sound good, but I think it's, first they see it and it's beautiful and then they, they kind of hear it and it's like that seals the deal. Mm -hmm. But um, it's interesting now that people are buying, you know, online so much that they're not always going and playing the the instrument first that mm -hmm. they're looking at it and go well that looks beautiful and then they hear a sound sample that sounds killer and they're trusting mm -hmm. your guys yeah opinion and that hey this is really good and they but i think the sound samples you guys do are really huge to get the customer to make a decision well it's gotten to where like even um the laminate instruments are built in a way that can sound beautiful i mean like that model for instance like you might get like a little more volume if you put like a solid top on it or something like that but it's still got good volume and it has a nice sound and you know i mean our sound samples are just dry raw sound samples but you put it in the hands of a musician that can play and um you see the potential is like yeah i mean it's it's a good instrument it sounds great and like you know you were talking about going through many months of just dialing in exactly where you want your bridge for intonation and all those type of things come into play with, with all your models to where like it's going to play true. And, and beyond that, it's like, yeah, they all have like slightly different voicings, but they all sound good. So yeah, people are attracted to it with beautiful exotic woods hear that it has a good sound. And then, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's the great thing with, you know, at least with laminates is you can, it's not as dependent on the, because it's not solid wood. I mean, so you can have a nice wood and, and put a veneer on, you know, some expensive mahogany and it's, it's going to look beautiful and the sound's going to be pretty much the same as all the rest of them, but we can offer that at a really good price point and just have some variety and I, I want to keep rotating those type of things in as, you know, Pacific Walnut, the Ebony, the Bacote, the um, even Exotic Mahogany, I mean. As they've come and gone, has it been more um, a situation of the availability of the woods? Yeah, sometimes, like I remember when we started doing Flame Maple um, or Spalted Maple, that we had this just crazy beautiful, all this, you know, beautiful wood. And then sometimes that source kind of dries up or you run through all that. And then it's, so sometimes, you know, we, I, I think we had a few years where that kind of died out and then we were able to find some more wood. So a lot of it's just the, the, the wood supply um, and, and just, you know, discovering who's got, who's got the wood or always having that message out there that, Hey, I'll commit to, if you find this real nice wood, I'll commit to it that, that they can, the factories can make a decision to, to purchase certain things and then they'll bring it to me off and say, Hey, I got this. So that's, that's one opportunity. Sometimes you just think of something that's sounds like a crazy idea that you'll try sometimes you get suggestions from dealers i mean mm -hmm. yeah so. i mean i was talking to you the other day about doing a, a model for us certain wood combos you know i mean i want to keep i want to start doing that more yeah i'm totally into that because then it you know then it's well you're telling me what you think you can sell you know your business yeah. particularly better than i do and so you can you know yeah we must be different than a lot of dealers of, of yours I mean you guys have even like certain surf stores and stuff like that but um yeah so I would imagine like you know just listen listening to each one and kind of trying to cater to them would be it be a good route hey, do you do you remember Joel when you first met Mike because you worked for music guy Mike um you know years before you started here and I know MGM did tons of business with you guys back in the day. Yeah, I think at one point we're, you know, it's like trying to get you to come work for Kala. Even. Oh, really? I think <laughs> that wasn't even that was long a good before move. I started working here. I think it was, um, yeah, yeah, like you guys, it was just you and Dave over here and you needed help unloading a container one time too even, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we had yeah, just made some uh, transitions and we were looking, and so looking what, did, for people. And so you went and helped him out? Or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think for that was, a day or two. Or. Yeah, that was might have only been like a few weeks or a month before I even started working here. It was in between. It was kind of like. Oh, okay. Know, so, so after our yeah, it was when kinda, Mike when that was, was winding down or that little transitional period right. when I transitioned here before Mike came and started working here as well. <laughs> but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the first time I met you, but I think. I started working for Mike at the beginning of 2007, and it was primarily, it was primarily Kala's. I mean, the first ukulele I had was a KAT that I got from him. And seeing that 
transition and the evolution of all the models. And did you? Did he have his shop then, or did you start it in his working, house? I was working on top of his mom's dryer. The, the dryer. That's right. I remember <laughs> yeah, everything set yeah. up on the dryer. Yeah, me too. I remember that. A bathroom towel I'm like, on top I of a dryer, like, and then she would your mom must us hate for getting you. steel wool in the lint trap. And Wait, the dryer. <laughs> the dryer wouldn't is not wasn't functional. It wasn't functional because I was using it. No, no. The, it, nah, they, she would use it probably after. Sometimes she'd kick us out, and I'd have to go yeah, somewhere else. Ukuleles all over the kitchen and. Oh yeah, yeah. all was, in their house. That was working, in, working in a hallway. Yeah, his, his mom was sweet though. Yeah, was, yeah, was sweet. She'd go make runs and she'd go grab lunch for us and pick up instruments and drop off at the post office and take me down to the bus stop and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she was just glad that he was like really, you know, saw saw the second coming of you know he was kind of sick there for a while and then when he was able to get his health back he was just. Well, you introduced him, introduced him to me at oh really Nam, oh okay two thousand six I think um, oh wow yeah I had no idea who he was and you said oh this guy's uh, he's got something going <laughs> yeah and he he's I mean he was selling like almost all the callers at the time I mean he was carrying like the whole line and and uh, he was moving them. Yeah, he, he used the term dealer, like a dealer. <laughs> yeah, Slinging them. Yeah. yeah, he was the dealer in all time. But you know what? He had such a passion, and it was a sincere passion, and people just knew it. And his his desire to just help people, you know? I mean, even when he was working for us, even when it wasn't his, he'd be like, he, he used to have the calls from the shop up there routed to his personal phone for after hours calls and he would be answering emails all, all hours of all the night. like yeah into the middle of the night you know or he would he'd be like at like ruby tuesdays or Haliva joe's you know like eating and answering emails on his ipad i mean it, he wasn't on the clock or anything i've never seen it. anybody go through so many phones like every <laughs> two weeks he was dropping his phone it wasn't he, a new food or couldn't keep up with him he'd call me at like one o'clock in the morning asking about an order or something or I've never seen someone like he was definitely he was passionate and he was very yeah. dedicated to people and I but just it was rare to talk to him about anything else other than ukulele like that's he was jamming yeah that, yeah like my wife used to like make us talk about something else and he would just kind of stall for a second like what else do we talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah well once we went to my I went to my ties with him and somehow someone didn't, I forget what happened. Anyways, the, the bar, the, the bouncer guy uh, let, gave him a pass because he didn't have something with him or his something. So he just said, if you ever need an ukulele, let me know. And the guy was like, what, ukulele? Like, yeah, yeah. And then Mike would bust out his phone. And then he's like showing all this kind of stuff. What you, well, I can get you. Uh, any. <laughs> this is like right showing our IDs. At like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bouncer at my ties, you know, just like just the biggest... He was trying Local to sell guy. ukes to the nurses <laughs> in his hospital room. <laughs> but man, he was he was a hard worker when his health was up. Like I remember one time somebody uh one of the schools wanted to order like 36 MKSs or something and and um wanted them set up and we were super backed up and busy and I was like I don't know if we have time and Mike's like oh I'll just do them and he was like managing the store at the time but he would be sitting up there like it just took him like a day or two or something cuz he was crazy but um he would he would sit there and help customers while he's dressing frets and he's a maniac. Yeah, he'd set up by the yeah, his toolbox set up by the register and he'd yeah. be <laughs> working on them and then showing them and then he'd be talking about things and he'd jump back to it and he's multitask. If the listeners are wondering, we're we're talking about the the uh, Michael Aratani, which Scala has its model, the MGM. 
yeah. uh, Spruce Rosewood combo. Which, um, Which one of my favorite models. Oh, and he, and he swears he developed the SSTU. That was uh, his idea. That's what, oh, that, that's what Aritani always said. He was like, that was my idea. The thin body. <laughs> he, told, he told everyone to make a thin body. He just wanted the whole yeah, thing that was to just, his Yeah, idea. that was just his thing. You know, it's like any thin body that was out there, that was mine. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's how yeah. he was. I no, know. I first saw him in Germany. Um, I can't remember who, but it was like it was slightly different. It was it was a little thicker and a flat back. So now we get the truth. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just like yeah. I. I think that's cool, but then we arched the back and. Oh yeah, it, it was just solid top, Mike you know? being Mike and. Yeah. He loved he loved it, but it was always anything with a thin body. Even Aaron Oya has he told Aaron Oya to make the thin body and that was Mike's that, that this is my model you know ah, he was always yeah. <laughs> who, who who did you see with that though I mean like was that at a trade show or something um no I think I saw him at, at maybe at Frankfurt or oh or somebody had a model that was similar thinner. to that yeah and, and I thought it was a good idea but I wanted it even thinner and then um arch the back you know yeah. I mean just figured that that would kick the sound out more and it was but it came out way better because i don't think anybody expects the sound to be as loud and punchy as it is you know Everyone's always that extreme arch definitely helps i think that, that plus it's just as the sound doesn't have anywhere to get trapped it just comes just out, right out yeah. away projecting so i mean yeah that's i mean yeah probably 90 percent of your projections coming straight off the top and then uh it's first top you know Helps. Spruce top, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, we've had other companies thin bodies too, um, in that more affordable range. I mean, you can throw but, them in your suitcase. I'll, you but know, yeah, so it's a great the collar ones are great. You, you know, probably the best. The spruce top and that extreme arch to the back, really. Yeah, no one else is as thin. There's thin bodies, but not like the travel. I mean, it's a, tr- a true travel. You know, right. I think it's a deck of cards, basically. <laughs> I was curious, how long was the, if you're a bass player, how long was the U-bass in the back of your mind for your itching to... I, it really wasn't in my mind. I mean, I went, I was taking vacation um, on the Big Island with my family in 2007, in, in November, I believe, and I met Owen Holt um, in Kealakekua at the, the Big Island Guild, their little meeting, or like their annual meeting it was a uh, ukulele shop up there and here's this big tall guy carrying a couple instruments and one was a one was a bass and I, I just looked at it and saw these big thick strings and went okay and then the other was a beautiful ukulele but I met him and I said what what is that and he said oh it's a bass and I I was like crazy what you know found an amp and plugged it in and um I was just blown away it was like Oh my gosh, this is so crazy! Killer. But it was metal strings, you said. No, no, he had the um, black strings, the hoi hoi, uh, the oh, rubber strings. Oh, oh, oh. And um, he was, before that, he was. He using, had that same frog logo too, right? Yeah, yeah, the road toad. Yeah, his big buffo, he calls it. But um, and so we started talking, and I was like, "That's so crazy! Tell me about it." And realized it was a bass. I mean, it was just not even an ukulele. It was a on a baritone body, but it was all bass, the way it was tuned and the way it sounded. And um, so it was like, okay, we have to do something here. What, who are you and what? (laughs) And he's like, and he was already interested because his, you know, he's only building a couple a month and they're expensive. And so it's like, okay, build me a prototype, just a 
real basic one and leave it leave the back off so they can just look at the inside and and then just started going there and just prototyping it and um but it took a while because the main thing was the pickup right the pickup system was always kind of what do you do he was using these the kk just a contact mm -hmm. pickup but you know we started using just basically a uh, acoustic bass yeah piezo pickup but those strings that the, the down pressure on the strings is so low mm -hmm. that the D and the G were usually okay, but the A and the E had lower down pressure. So the, the balance was off. It was pushing harder on those strings. So it was always, but if you set it upright, you could get it to have equal string volume. But then eventually we had to go and have Shadow develop a completely different system for that bass that wasn't as ah. sensitive to the down pressure. It would handle the low down pressure. Mm -hmm. And now that now they're great, you know. Especially the LR bags. Well, the bags one is, uh, they even took it further because then they built not only the sensitive to the pressure, but then they EQ, the EQ portion is completely dialed into the U-Base for those frequencies. And Yeah, know, I have one of the USA ones at home. Yeah, but we're just using those for the USAs, you know, not, uh, it was just, uh, you know, it's a, a costly. It's an expensive pickup. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it just, uh, but, but the shadow one sounds great. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's really no need to do it but you know so that that's been a huge product you know and then almost right away we met Bikiti Kumalo um, from Paul Simon's mm -hmm. band and he just so he's been playing it since 2009 and he's he's a great ambassador but now you know we've got all these other guys and uh, you know Abe Laborial um, you know Hutch Hutchinson from Bonnie Raitt's band um, I just saw The Who in Oakland and uh Pino Palladino's got one, and he said he was going to record. Pino has one. Yeah, he's going to record a couple tunes on John Mayer's new album with it. So I mean, you know, Tony Levin has one, and um, so just all these great, great players, and you know, some of them use it more than others, but I mean, they find a, a, a nice spot for it, and it's. Um, I, can, I can only imagine the bass, like bass players, all your life. You guys got to lug around this huge thing, and it's the big, and now it's yeah. Like, there's that, but there's also <laughs> the sound. It it has a really a perfect fact. sound for certain stuff that you're going for. Especially like the fretless one too. It's mm -hmm. that awesome kind of. If you weren't looking at it, a lot of people mistake it just for an upright for how big and yeah how it sounds and everything. Yeah, it's in, it's closer to an upright, I'd say, than uh, even an acoustic bass, but it still has its own sound. Really works more so great can with imagine an upright player being like holy thank you so much for yeah, <laughs> making yeah, yeah. my gig life like 20 times better and it has that <laughs> that nice acoustic like uh double bass almost sound but with more of a subsonic tone i would think yeah be... and it's i mean it's so easy to play so i mean there's yeah, we've heard fingers, from a lot of guys yeah, that stretching. have hand injuries or they're just they're, they may yeah be recovering from something and it, you know um or ukulele and, players looking to cross over and learn some bass yeah, lines. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's yeah. a simple, obviously, really easy to play because of the scale. You know, and those strings aren't, it's not like a round one string or something that's going to grind on your fingers. It's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, and I enjoy, uh, you know, talking to people about the bass and seeing the react, reaction when they hear it for the first time, you know. Oh, yeah, it was always so. a trip in the store, just like, wait, 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 watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Magic trick. <laughs> got copied by a lot of people, too. And, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of sad how it happens with, like, the factories, you know, just kind of, like, I, I'll get emails from them, like, um, 
you know, asking us if we want to make our own brand out of it. <laughs> They're like sending, um, but you know, I guess that's that's how it happens yeah, when you're first to the game, and and you're always respected for for that at least. And you guys are definitely at the top of the game for the U base, probably in uh, base centric type stores and and all over in uh, music stores. Yeah, all over well, the world. but it's something we worked hard at and, and spent a lot of time on developing it, and uh, you know, really care about it. So I mean, it. I guess you know, imitation is a flattery, or sincerest form of flattery, but. You know, I do think it must piss you off just a little. <laughs> um, it used to more. But, I mean, I can't control it, so the main thing is uh, I'll do the best job with what we got, and um, and just kind of let the chips fall where they may. But I mean, a lot of you know, we got a lot of good players playing, and hopefully that speaks speaks more than what I can say. Right. Now the last, uh, well, you know, maybe two, maybe more years, we've been getting the elite line, um, but. Talk about that process, because I know it's been going on more than a, a couple years. There was like probably a good couple years there of development. This is uh, Kala's um, f- factory there in Petaluma, California. Um, and we, we did a video, if, if you guys are listening and you haven't seen already, if you go onto our Hawaii Music Supply YouTube, you'll see we did a factory tour there, and it, it was impressive. But if Super you can, awesome. If you can talk about that process of, of deciding to do that and then ramping it up. Yeah, really, it, um, you know, we started building, the f- first things we built were the California U-Bases, so, you know, that was about five years ago, and just starting the process of creating something, and, and, and that was more assembly, but we had to make some of our own parts, source some of our own parts, have jigs and tooling to to put those together, and then we created a banjo ukulele, and then then we started three years ago prototyping just the heck of it um ukulele just like let's see jason you know via who's our head of manufacturing just started building stuff and you know carving necks and just really ha- okay so here's what i can do and then we um shortly thereafter uh, decided okay let's let's go for this let's make this a, like a five-year process and let's take the first year just to learn how to build and then by the second year i want to be selling so the first year, um, he apprenticed with um, Michael De Silva to, to, to learn how to build and hung out in his shop and went through the build process and built a few instruments. And then, um, and then he c- continued to build on his own. And then he came over and, you know, I know he spent a day with Noah and um, a, a day with Casey at, at Kamaka. And he, there's a guy in Kailua Rolo Sherbrand that mm-hmm. builds his own stuff. Oh, yeah. and. Then went over to the Big Island, spent some time with Bob, uh, Bob Gleason, and um, you know, and just and then just talking a lot, a lot with Taylor. They were really encouraging in terms of just here's a production environment, here's things you may consider as you're setting up and you're, um, you're you know, you're logging your data and you're taking notes and if you want to be more efficient. And then we, all all this time we're continuing to. Um, you know, just build. Uh, they're continuing to build and prototype and figure things out. And um, and then in uh, you know 2015 at NAM we had our first release of instruments. And um, and then, but really, we weren't even able to deliver anything for the first three months because we hadn't built it. You know, we here's here's our instruments. 
got <laughs> orders and then had to catch up with the build. And so throughout, I think it was the middle of summer, we, we delivered kind of our first batch. But through all that, you know, we're, we're improving the process and, you know, uh, the neck joining and, the, you know, just the cleanness of, in the, of the instruments. It was, it was always, you know, they weren't perfect. And I think we were searching, I was searching for something much better. And I think we continue to improve, you know, the finishing, we're spraying UV right away. So that, that in itself is a, has a big learning curve. So again, just a lot of work with Taylor. They were very encouraging and then coming, coming and helping us and us going down to them and seeing how they're doing it and kind of just going through the builds. And now I feel that this year we've really, in the last, uh, six months have stepped it up in terms of the, our build quality, our efficiency, um, the different options we have, the, uh, the inlay, the, the different, you know, three piece backs or, you know, end strip type designs and kind of, you know, wood marquetry and that we've kind of hit a stride of what we want to do, which is, um, you know, we've, you've, you've got all these great builders here in Hawaii, traditional Kamaka and Kanilea and um, Koaloha and then just a myriad of other smaller builders that build here in the islands and um, and you know we're we're different we're 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 from the mainland so I can't claim that we have that same thing but but who are we you know we're um, that's all we do is ukulele and I just wanted to bring something like more creative using different woods and and different uh, you know different kind of different custom options, make it make a fully custom shop open to people that want to, anything they want. That's what I would really like by the end of the year to have a custom shop online that people could go in and just kind oh, of interesting. design their own uke and then we could build it. Yeah, you know, yeah. just today, Pat emailed me um, a couple pictures and I picked up a couple ukes, one uh, spruce with, um, I think walnut side and back, but it's it's got like- uh, Is that the purple? purple heart binding and then the other one i got was uh a spruce rosewood with nice curly maple top and back binding but i mean you're talking about a glassy gloss finish fully bound and i think like you know it's gonna sell for 13 1400 i don't i think the retail is like maybe 16 or something like that i mean when when you look at that and those specs and the, the instrument and um and the tone in comparison to like other USA made options, it's still true to the Kala uh, really great value that you guys have always been able to do. And I think it's been kind of like a, um, an adjustment for some people to like see Kalas at this price range because they're used to the import line, you know, but it's still a great value. I mean, for something of this caliber made in Petaluma, California, you know, by, um, really good craftsmen. Um, I mean, I was really impressed when we came down. I didn't expect it to be, um, as together as, as it was and to have such a great group of, of young guys that are, you know, and girls that are just really, um, dedicated to yeah they're great, great people i mean jason is uh he, he was my son's fourth grade teacher so he oh, i wow. mean um, he's a great musician and and he worked at music man for five years setting up electric guitar he set up all the artists you know eddie van halen's guitars and all that nice so that was his background but he's he's a great teacher and so he's 
he's reproduced himself in all these guys, and then they, in turn, are teaching. There's a real collaborative teaching type culture that we want to, where in a lot of cross-training, where as many guys know as many jobs as possible. And it keeps them interested, them learning. Um, so we want it to be a real fun, creative thing for them because then we're, we're getting the best of their ideas and, and allowing them to kind of develop things as well. So a lot of the ideas just come straight from them to me. They go, what do you think about this? I mean, sometimes like the three-chord strand thing, I, that was my idea with the, the design there. I mean, basically, here's the idea I have, and, and let's combine these woods and mix and match koa, maple, and walnut. But they were the ones that executed on it in the details. Yeah, they were able to, I mean, they have the luthier skill yeah, to take I, your ideas. And, and I don't build. I mean, I'm yeah. not a luthier. People will often say, oh, you make such great ukes, and I'm trying to go, well, not, I mean, I, I know what a good instrument yeah. is, and I can have ideas, but other people are executing on those ideas. And um, so all the props to them and credit to Lean them. too, is a great Building. Yeah, he's the one doing well. The the three chord strand he did yeah. most of that's all his build and his ideas. I mean, in terms of the the end graph and right. the detail. Yeah. yeah, the video for Twenty One Pilots was super awesome. That was really yeah. I saw yeah, it and again I love the editing and everything. I saw that I got all excited. I was like, oh, that's yeah. It's so Jack cool. uh, Jack Hogan doing the video and uh, Nick Kafira doing the audio and they're you know just kid, uh, kids a couple of years out of high school going to the JC, but super creative. <laughs> yeah. And, Very um, well done. And so when you can find what people are really good at and just allow them to be creative with You it. mean those are your in-house guys? Yeah. I thought you might have subbed that out to a... Oh, man. No, they're doing a great job. So that's we, cool. you know, that's our kind of the marketing department that's just taken off the last two years, you know, with Joy, Joy Cafiro's, uh, Dave's wife, is doing the... Heading up the marketing. We just hired uh, Jordan, uh, uh, like a full-time web web guy. So we're fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's something that we've well, really it shows tried to because I was looking recently, and now you guys have this whole section of your website that um, I guess is, is just building up. But I mean, obviously, it's going to continue to grow. And to our listeners, you got to check it out. It's um, the part of Call's website that's called Learn to Play. You go there. There's a few different categories that you can go to, and there's a number of different videos where um, I think most of them had like ukulele but there might be a few different um, teachers, but you, you learn songs, you learn techniques, you learn, you know, some beginner theory and, and those sort of chords, you know. Yeah, we're just, not. that you know, we've just started that. There's a lot of that type of thing online, but... Well, sure, there's plenty of places, but that just goes to add to what you give to the community. But and we're pushing that in terms of, you know, if, in our own brand that, you you know, could start a ukulele and come here download the tuning app and teach right, you how to tune tuner and, and we'll look just free free tuner app by the way if you guys look it up on itunes it's call a tuner app i think you just search call it, it'll pop up first um, I, just I think today. if you search oh really yeah yeah because yeah, cool. i was looking for the other one yeah, yeah i was telling zach about the um how do i say it uh ukoki <laughs> it's like the karaoke and you together thing where they'll have like the you know, the instruments playing minus like the uke strumming and they give you the chords and strum and then you can jump in there and start doing a karaoke version of Yeah, I mean, it's it's good for players that, you know, so many new guys coming in that just need to get going and need that experience that um, 
that that's you know super exciting for me because that's I don't know it's like investing in the in the oh, yeah. future of music or really the ukulele future you know that mm-hmm. it's kind of re-sowing reseeding the I mean you know. for me I was doing that more before like there was a lot of people doing it and stuff but or you know there was people doing it but um I just I haven't had as much time but I, I love that you guys are doing it because anywhere I can point people I mean you know we never were making money off of like the the lessons or anything like that but um just to have good quality lessons out there and different tools the you know the tuner apps the the yeah, um, I mean those are learning t- that I mean that's karaoke how thing is a pretty cool. original cool idea you know I'm sure it's been done with other instruments but maybe not as much for the ukulele and the ukulele needs more resources like that and just fun things for people to get get into it more you know it's it's much more fun to play with people backing you up you know and you can get that vibe off of that by going on there and doing it so it's just another thing to to give um people in in growing the the love of the instrument absolutely and i think um but ultimately, I th- you know, I think it, it always works best when people are getting together kind of in live situations, well, sure. yeah. you know. And I I was in the U.K. about a month ago, and it's um, they had this this big festival, and the, it's kind of, it's not that far from Stonehenge, actually. It's called Cheltenham, and, you know, it's maybe, I don't know, 1,200 to 1,500 people there in this one place. Nice. The first night I got there, they had... Um, there's this big pub, and it was it's a pretty good sized pub, and there probably was five or six hundred ukulele players. I mean, almost everybody <laughs> had a uke, and, and they you, had their ukes with them. Yeah, you had about twenty j- different jams going on over this whole, and it was nuts. <laughs> like going to the bathroom, man, you'd hear, you know, wow. Ring of Fire, you know, and then you'd hear Sweet Caroline, like, and they're like, they just don't like, they're like loud. Yeah, it's like partying. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> putting back a pint and like screaming the songs and like trying to outdo each other. I bet you they won't complain about string buzz ever. <laughs> oh, you couldn't even hear the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was you know, but I mean, Same so group. really, kind of their version of Connie Capilla, but you know, and they're playing their old you know just pop songs or whatever, and it was great. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's it's like it's fun, and that's what it is. You know, it's like I watch my daughter play, and like she's just like having fun, and it's like anything that she wants to do. Like she goes outside and plays with the neighborhood hood kids, and comes in and jams on uke for a little bit, and it's just like it's one of those things where she's enjoying it, and it's nice. I mean, sometimes when we get older, we take things too seriously. You know, <laughs> start being like, oh, I should be better. You know, I gotta learn theory better. I gotta make sure this is, you know, perfectly in tune everywhere all the time, and you know, just have fun and you know, enjoy music with it and stuff. It's kind of, I would love to be there at that pub. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, it was. You have to go. Really? I mean, just if you went with your gear, just like you could make a movie out of this. I mean, seriously, document the people you meet. I mean, just the personalities. You you could you could film that and probably have a complete story yeah <laughs> like some just uke themed movie that yeah, what would, is about hawaii maybe we're just too laid back it's like it's hard to get people to it's different to, i think it'd be an eye-opener for you and you would just you just it, it would be comedy central man <laughs> i mean but they're serious and they're good and, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. just so different and but the personalities so are unabashed like yeah. they're, the filters are removed you know Blurry. like <laughs> yeah it's just Let's go, guys. That's right. no, that's refreshing. Your enthusiasm. Yeah. I love our customers from the UK. 
Also, the guys in Australia, you know, just really bubbly and just <laughs> a, a lively bunch that are just really friendly. Oh, absolutely. Good people. Just feel bad for their import duties and taxes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting they stuff do. over there. They do yeah. got to pay a little bit on top of it, but... Um, Cool. Well, anything you guys want to, you know, add or ask Mike? Well, since you mentioned uh, the UK and thing and having the festivals last weekend, I know there have been times, like, you know, with any job you do, you can get excited about it first. Then after you do it long enough, you don't necessarily, you can develop like a, it's, it becomes more work oriented yeah and then not like you're gonna resent i mean there's a level of resentment with any work but (laughs) i i don't mean like that going to the he's looking right at him no (laughs) no 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 no, no. it's just set up i mean when i when i get stuck in setup during christmas time i feel the same way what made me think about it was like when i talk to a customer on the phone and they're just so excited or i get an email and people just email us just to say how happy they are how excited they are about getting it or meeting people in person. I don't do that as much. Like that's the only real time I go out and have meet the people. Fest. But it must be st- through all, all the years of you doing it. There must have been like stressful times or just, you know, you get swamped with work and everything. Does that help balance out whatever t- type of stress can come with, associated with the instrument or with the you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think no matter what you're doing, you hit those points where it's it's work and your 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 mind is off the fun part of it, and it's just like, gosh, this is so much work, you know. Like, and there's you know there's problems in any any business, and you've got to deal with them. And sometimes those it's easy to have those kind of pile on yeah. one thing after another. And yeah, yeah, totally. And that's why I've got you know we've got great people, and a lot of times it's just you know you. I'll have to talk to my wife or Dave and I'll go out and we'll just, we, you know, we walk, our meetings are always walking. We're out, like out walking. Oh, that's cool. And, and just talking and then and even praying just like, well, how do we, I, I, we can't figure this out. What do we do? Mm. Um, you know, you don't have the answer for it, but, and that, that helps take the stress away and then refocus and then, you know, coming over here. And I mean, even this is like a total this makes it worthwhile because you're like ta- you're interacting with people and it's the fun part of the job and that it balances out the the tough times um you know so yeah it's not all fun and games for sure because it's it, you know we do something that we love to do but it's still a business you know and you have to make it mm-hmm. you're you have to make it efficient and and so it you're able to pay your people and you know make a certain amount of money that's just life mm-hmm. and and yet you know try to keep the fun in it for sure but sometimes it's like yeah what you know what am i doing man this is about having fun playing music and it's like we're you know so you sometimes it can get out of whack and i'll have to check myself and go okay this isn't you know either i'm taking it too seriously or i gotta step back or talk to somebody or take a break or you know I don't There's like a to lot sit of pressure in my pressure on, on Joel. I mean, you know, we all have like I'm not trying to make lot it seem like I'm just despondent or anything. I just <laughs> no, mean like, no, it's natural, anything. you know. But I it's mean, great that There's a lot to do, you know, to have a business run as, as great as it can be. And it, you know, I mean it can get overwhelming at times. Like, I mean, we're like, you know, two weeks back on setups and don't, Joel's don't working more than full time, you know. And uh you know, I mean we're trying we're 
trying our best and trying to answer all those emails right on time, trying to make all the customers happy within your business. I'm sure there's like your own set of, you know, all kinds of things going on with factories and workers and, and things that need to happen. And, and, um, you know, even when it's being done as, as good as it can be, um, well, especially when it's being done as good as it can be, there's, like you said, it's not all fun and games. There's going to be a lot of just buckling down and getting to the work. But I was thinking, you know, um, as hard as you work, Joel, I think we should be sending you out to some uke fest here and there. <laughs> <laughs> you work them good. Do what it's Aritani re- did. Yeah. I no, mean, it's, it's refreshing. Because it, you probably, I mean, you know, you've set up how many ukes or how many thousands of people, and it's like that's a personal thing that, you know, if you can make a connection to, you know, people probably don't even realize the work that went into that. Yeah. You can, when they open it up and play it, that it's like, whoa, you know, that's a good experience. So, yeah. I mean, no, thanks for me because for all the thousands of oh. <laughs> callers you've set up because that means that they're getting an instrument that was even better than we appreciate when I left the factory, that. you know. But, no, there's, this, you know, in both our businesses, yeah, it's a, it's a partnership, you know. But the people that you know that are we're working with are working working hard, and it's like I I gotta remember sometimes to slow down and like go, how you doing? You know, thanks. And <laughs> right, I mean, yeah. you know, and he, he encourage them to hey, you know, keep it up. You're doing a great job, or you know, talk to me if there's, you know, mm-hmm. if you ever want to get something off your chest or or take a break you know yeah. sometimes it's just i don't like sitting at my desk too long because it's like you know you hit that point <laughs> where you're staring crazy. at the computer and you're like <laughs> I'm, I'm done man i'm like just uh, get up and walk and you know stretch out yeah you just or or have a have a setup already you can just walk to the next room and there's a bass and then someone can play <laughs> drums and then 10 minutes goes by and you're like all right <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes taking a break and re, you know, kind of re chilling and resetting the dial and uh, or even do yeah. Sometimes it's just exercise, like just for me, sweat it out, just get it out. Of do you. something for twenty minutes. It's like, and then it's like, okay, yeah, I feel better now. I can, <laughs> and then you're like, way more efficient in the next hour or something. But totally, one of one of us three took a walk at the end of every day. <laughs> that would be kind of funny, but I mean, it would probably be productive in a way. Zach do push-ups downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> too, too many people think we'll be playing Pokemon or something. And get oh, that's true. Yeah, I've ruined it. You can't take a walk anymore. <laughs> don't, or if, you lock, if you walk, don't look at your phone. Uh, Are you playing that mic? I bet you're all going all over the place. Is that you and, you and Dave and his wife out there? Mike's oh, looking at us like he doesn't even know what we're talking oh, about. Oh, dude. No, I can't, I can't even see my phone without my glasses. I, <laughs> yeah. Don't. Have you noticed a lot, a lot of people walking around your neighborhood more so than normal? This is only in the last week or something. That's right? Right? Yeah, My parents, I mean, they're, they're site managers at a complex. They get, they're getting calls from other managers saying like, or from people like there's strangers walking in my backyard because <laughs> they're trying to find Pokemon. And there's just all these strange people going all over in private property because... Yeah, well, I mean, it's... That's uh, crazy. I'm totally clueless, man. Well, yeah, it's this Pokemon Go app, and apparently, like, one statistic I heard says it's going to have more downloads than Twitter in another couple days or something. Well, people have already died as well, Well, from from what I saw. Right, so it's this uh, augmented reality, I don't know. Well, it just goes off your phone GPS, so in order to play the game, you need to physically go out and do it, but everyone's walking around trying to follow an avatar that's showing using google maps and they're walking into 
traffic or someone like yeah. fell Walking off a cliff. cliff. I yeah. think it's awesome that you haven't heard of this yet. It is. I feel bad for telling you. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, I walk like that normally. But, uh, <laughs> so, no, it's good to walk. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, know. actually, yeah, that's the positive side of that game. It walk is, into oh, yeah, your death. <laughs> well, well, it's common attention. sense is be aware. It's... Yeah, yeah. It's like blaming but a phone for no, you know it, it not paying attention, or yeah, if you're looking at your phone while you're you know supposed to be looking for cars crossing by or something. No, I was walking on Waikiki, and there's like I I couldn't believe how many people were looking at their phone and just like almost ready to walk into me if I didn't veer off. And it's like it's like it might be know, part of that. At, yeah. the, at the Uke Festival, zombies or something. I it? Yeah, real quick, it, and I went to no. look where they're having where the markers are, and there's just crowds of people. Like, and then yeah. even later that evening, there's 70, 90 people just all around, like, the aquarium. And they're all just, they got their chairs out and everything, and they're just camping out on that game. And it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But that, that's not ukuleles. That's a game. No, yeah, but... Um, but we can do a know. game where we hide ukuleles at certain GPS spots, and then it pops up, and people got to go there. I've been doing that Virtual for ukuleles. <laughs> they're much cheaper to make than real ukuleles. <laughs> Oh, the 3D printing ones. We made this uh, uh, 3D uh, printing is getting big now too. They're building ukuleles from 3D yeah. printers. Seriously, wow. that's crazy. And, and 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 the type of material is it's uh, some kind of plastic. My daughter made me an ukulele wall hanger out of the a 3D, 3D printer. printer, but yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's the next. I don't think there's going to be a 3D printed ukulele. I'm going to want to look at for a long time. I mean, a long time is probably like a year. I know the way technology is going. <laughs> I mean, it's like snowballing to where like you know a couple years who knows anyways where do you see kala in another 10 years that's a good question 10 years i mean because you didn't see it coming i know that's a this. long time I, right well it's been about 10 years 11 years since you've owned it five. so now it's like looking at the type of growth you've done in 11 years or just about yeah I, I don't like to do that i mean i really don't <laughs> because then it um it kind, it's kind of writing its own story exactly so i don't that's cool i can only look um I mean, just just right out in front, and I think you know, develop continuing to develop our elite line to where it's really in the marketplace in a big way. And mm-hmm. um, you know, this morning we recorded a cedar top walnut side and back three chord. the The third one hadn't come with the other two, and we got it recorded. Man, that thing sounds monstrous. I really want to get um, like that model, but like more of a bare bone. Maybe just top binding doesn't need a cutaway, but just those woods. It sounds huge. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to do there in terms of ideas and different wood combinations. I, I like that. That's builds. more like um, you know woods from the areas where you know you guys are building too. Yeah, I mean that that's a big, that's an exciting thing because it's new, it's fresh, and so it it has it could go anywhere. But I think as far as the you know, it's continuing to put out good product. Um, you know, and, and come up with new ideas and just develop what's there and, and kind of continue to, you know, tend the field, I guess, of what we've created and make sure that customers are happy, that we're delivering a good product and good value and service and all that. But really, it, you know, it kind of goes its own way. It's like water finds its own path. And it's like, so I want to, I kind of want to let that develop. But so I can't really say I just want to do more of the same, but continue to grow it how it wants to grow. Uh, I've never put a a cap on what how big or how you know. It's just like however much it wants to grow, 
it's going to grow. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm forcing anything. It's just doing it naturally and just kind of, and then the hardest thing is just to gather more people to, um, to help, you know, really develop good people. Yeah. And, um, you're already saying you might need a bigger space. <laughs> no way that you guys have a huge space. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, our neighbor, <laughs> our, our neighbor may be moving out. It's a creamery, like an organic creamery. Um, so, I mean, it could be that we'd have more space, but we could use it, but I, we don't have to use it. We could, we could be more efficient with the space we have, but, um, you know, I mean, things that are healthy usually grow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that it does that because that's fun. I mean, as long as I have people to help and, I, you know, because I don't, I, you know, I'm pretty much tapped out as far as as, as much as I want to do. <laughs> um, I mean, you can only work so many hours, right? Yeah, it's so hard to find good people, too. You got a good crew. But, I mean, I don't, I, I don't doubt that you guys can grow. It's just, oh, man. It I mean, a lot like of it's in house. A lot of space already. People that come in and, um, at you know, either warehouse positions or kind of mm. into the sales office, and we're always looking to hopefully retain them and raise them up and find out what they really love How to do, suit, yeah. and, and just kind of grow the people in house, and then you know you bring other people in to. But it's, it's a lot of in in house growth, you know. But that's that's the key to me is just having good the good people working that you're working with and um because yeah. they're they're you know at some point you're again i'm only can do so much and so then it's you have to develop the oh yeah the culture and you got um, a great team that people love coming to work and want to work hard and, and then they're you know rewarded for that yeah you got the owner you got the coach you got the players mm. and you got the fans <laughs> <laughs> Zach loves football. I love football. <laughs> Anyways. He, he, he can relate anything to sports. I, that's, anything my, that's my thing. I'll, I'll relate it's anything like sports. to sports. Yeah, I mean, I, I bet you there's more, way more than uh, you can realize on how easy it is to, like, relate it to some kind of sport thing because you got, like, you know, hard work, dedication, practice, teamwork, all that stuff all adds into almost everything. You know? And being a team player. Yeah, there you go, team player. Yeah. Sports. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Yeah, really thanks, guys. With you. It was fun. We'll have to do it again. We'll see you in January. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, we'll see you at NAM if we don't see you before that. I'll be back over before that. Oh, cool. We're awesome. Gonna, we're going to make another video. We're going we're to do another one. That'd be fun. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime you want to come and hang out. And yep. You guys have some really great little microbreweries right near you. Yeah. I mean, so we Log- might have to come. Loganitas <laughs> is there. A lot of great wineries. And yeah. No, it's, it's hey, home. oh, you know what? I totally forgot. Okay, you just brought this model over, and this is a new Kala Elite. Tell, tell me, tell me about this. Yeah, it's a uh, all solid mahogany uh, built in our shop in Petaluma, Honduras. Mahogany. It's um, USA made, all solid mahogany. Oh, what I like about this is, you know, I I wanted to make a, a solid mahogany, something at a, at a lower price point than the Koa, but I didn't want just a plain mahogany. And so what we did is. Um, you know, we grain filled this with black grain filler, mm-hmm. and um, it's you know it's a tailor process, and they gave us the okay to do it, and they call it brown sugar, the brown sugar finish. Oh, cool. But you know, you scrape the grain filler off, and then um, you know flat sand it and mm-hmm. finish it. It's kind of an eggshell finish, but it comes out where you know you've got these this great kind of pattern of uh, yeah these black streaks. You know, yeah, I, Collings w- was doing that too. It's, like it's, 
Yeah, I mean, it's been done. Like a dog, almost like a pseudo dog hair Mm -hmm. finish or something. But, you know, and I like how it kind of comes up the neck and it's it's just a good look. And I'm happy with it. I think it, um, you know. It's a very clean continuity to it because you have the same, you know, wood and grain filler on the on the neck and the and the body and the real clean satin finish it's a a big sound i mean it puts out a lot of sound and i i just like the build it's really so you know it's it's a it's a good build for us because we're pretty efficient at building them and it's you know doesn't take a lot of time to put out a a really good and so um that model you know this is the the usa made tenor in uh all solid mahogany like all the collars, I take it it's going to come with the case and the whole package deal. With yeah, them. it's going to come with a, a foam case and a um, humidifier. I mean, what's that going to sell for? Um, yeah, the the retail on the tenor is eight ninety nine. The sale price, uh, you know, the it'll be somewhere right around seven hundred. You know, nice. And uh, I think it's a real affordable option for a USA made instrument that's uh, you know just high quality solid wood. Um, you know. hey, do you think we could do like a little outro where I'll, I'll just this isn't our regular sound sampling mic, but no, 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 where I'll record you um, playing something something on that for us? Sure. Okay. Cool. Absolutely. the Mike Aratani lick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that totally was. Okay, that, that's an ode to Mike Aratani. There you go. <laughs> I don't know why it just popped in my head, man. Yeah. I normally wouldn't do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Right on, Mike. Remember, we, we miss man. you. Thanks, guys, for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Aloha.